Super Bowl 53. It may be 11 days away, but the Patriots are increasing favorites in Las Vegas. Should they be as big of favorites as they're turning out to be? Plus, Super Bowl MVP, is it more likely to be Tom Brady or Jared Goff? And also in the NFL, should they consider changes to their overtime? As well as in Dallas, Jason Garrett possibly calling the plays for the Cowboys? Do I like love or hate that? As well as Bruce Arians with some interesting comments, an NFL rookie making major changes in the MLB Hall of Fame. It starts now. Welcome on in, Sports 6 Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Friend, here on a Wednesday. Again, closing in on Super Bowl 53. We will have some Hall of Fame talk later on, but we are going to be football heavy. So let's get started with two and a half minutes on the clock for Super Bowl 53. Again, we are 11 days away. And right now, the money coming on in on the Patriots, rather, in Las Vegas is insane. So just to recap, the Rams actually opened up as a one-point favorite in this game. That very quickly swing to the Patriots being favored by a point, then a point and a half, then two. Now, in most places, they're favored by two and a half. Why, that's, you know, somewhat interesting. The more crazy part, and really listen to this, according to CBS Sports, 94% of the money wagered so far is on the New England Patriots to win this game. And listen, do I think the Patriots should be favorites? Absolutely. I nearly lost my mind when I saw the Rams as a one-point favorite. I was like, what? But whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, y'all need to take a breath or something. 94% of the money? Whoa, 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 whoa. Are we forgetting what the LA Rams did this season? Like, this isn't some huge mismatch we're talking about. We're talking about the second-best offense in the league, a team that beat the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Saints. A team that is going to give a Patriots defense that is mediocre at best a hard time. We're talking about Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, a solid offensive line. Those are the recipes to success against this Patriots defense, C.J. Anderson. And 94% of the money being wagered on the Patriots, like, you know, I, I was taught at a young age, if it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And if it smells like a rat, you better go get yourself a rat trap. And this is a trap if I've ever seen one. And this thing's quacking all sorts of like a duck. You better be careful. Again, the Rams match up well. And if anybody can match up against Bill Belichick, it's Sean McVay. And by the way, I'll just remind you of this. Your chances if you think either of these teams, teams, the Rams or the Patriots, are going to win this by a ton and it's going to be a blowout, that, I mean, it could happen. Obviously, anything can happen. But the average margin of victory in Patriots involves Super Bowls during the Belichick-Brady era. Average margin of victory, 4.4 points. So, ponder that. Now, 90 seconds on the clock. Super Bowl MVP odds have also come out. Brady is number one. Jared Goff is number two. Listen, I'll answer the question I answered on today's show as well here. Who is more likely to win the Super Bowl MVP between these two? The answer is Tom Brady, folks. 
and it's not even close. It's by a country long mile. You're gonna pass some cows. You're gonna pass some horses. You're gonna pass some bok bok chickens. You're gonna pass hay. You're gonna pass everything before you get to Jared Goff because Jared Goff won't win it if the Rams win the Super Bowl. Which I'm still trying to figure out who the hell I'm predicting in this game, but that's another story for next week. If the Rams win the Super Bowl, Jared Goff is not winning the MVP. It would be way more likely for Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson. Heck, if any defensive player can do it, it's Aaron Donald, right? But if the Patriots win, Tom Brady has won the MVP in four of their five Super Bowl wins. The one exception being their second Super Bowl win, I believe um, it was Dar- it was Deion Branch. It was Deion Branch. I'm 90% sure it was in their second Super Bowl. But regardless, Tom Brady's won four out of the five. And I know Eminem once said, quote, nothing in life is guaranteed, end quote, but, well, his ass didn't know that Tom Brady wins the MVP every single time the Patriots go to the Super Bowl. All right, let's stick with the NFL before I do get to the Dallas Cowboys. 90 seconds on the clock for a conversation that's been happening after both of the conference championship games went to overtime this past weekend is should the NFL make changes to their overtime? This all stemming after... The Patriots won the coin toss, marched down, won a trip to the Super Bowl, obviously. Among many things that people are questioning, people are questioning, well, well, what about the coin toss? I mean, my goodness, do we need to consider something there? <laughs> no. Hell no. And this, everything regarding this overtime is really bothering me because I feel like overall, it's, it's like, I feel like overtime is fine. I feel like it's fine. But this coin toss stuff in particular, it's like, folks, I know you think that the people, the team that wins the coin toss wins every single time, but that's not a fact. Overtime is pretty much a 50-50 split. And I want to give credit here because this stat came from Ross Tucker of Sirius XM Radio, who revealed that the coin winner in overtime wins 52.7% of the time. 52.7% of the time. That's virtually a zero advantage for the team that wins the coin toss. And by the way, blaming your loss on George Washington or a freaking eagle is moronic anyway. Because maybe you shouldn't have sent it to overtime in the first place. So I have no problems with the overtime rules. And I'm fine with they keep them. If they keep them, rather. Now, two minutes on the clock for some interesting comments coming from Bruce Arians who is obviously the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He said, quote, A-holes typically, end quote, are wide receivers. Oh, man. First and foremost, nice little golf clap for Bruce Arians here. Hell, if this man was in front of me, might even give him a little hug, a little kiss on the cheek, because it's about damn time somebody said this. Oh, my gosh, is it about damn time. Somebody other than a pundit and somebody in the league said this because it's so true. You can go down the list and listen, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., Stephen Di- Stephon Diggs. Like, you can go down the list of players that are divas at the wide receiver position. And by the way, I think some of those wide receivers are incredible. Like Antonio Brown, I've consistently said it's the best wide receiver in the league. Odell Beckham Jr., First three seasons, he outpaced Jerry Rice. It's just a fact, not an opinion. Like, I'm high on some of the wide receivers I just mentioned. 
But that doesn't mean they ain't divas. And my goodness, I'm so glad he said this. My one thing here, and the thing that I would be very interested in if I was a Bucks fan is, well, uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have one of these on their own team. He goes by the name of Mike Evans. So how's that situation going to be handled? What I'd also be worrying about here, and this is why I didn't know if Bruce Arians would be a good hire for anyone, is there's already this perception he might be a little bit old and out of touch, 66 getting up there, didn't exactly have the prettiest of ends in Arizona. Is our Bucks players going to look at this with already that perception maybe that he might be out of touch and go, whoa. This dude's really out of touch. He doesn't like young players. He doesn't like millennials. So I think it's going to be interesting to see the type of effect this has, but he's speaking the truth. Okay, 90 seconds on the clock before I do get to MLB and their Hall of Fame voting, which um, (laughs) we'll call interesting. Um, We'll get there in a second, though. Let's start with this. The NFL has a very interesting situation on their hands. And I did realize I just skipped over the Cowboys talk I wanted to do. So I'll circle back that back to that here in a second. Cause Rashad Gary, a first round ra- Rashawn Gary, rather a first round pick projected. At least he's in fact projected to probably be a top 10 pick Michigan defensive tackle. Absolute beasts announced yesterday that he launched his own sports agency. And that's who he's going to be represented by. And allow me just another 60 seconds on this because I know I'm nerding out here, but just allow me to do this. So the details specifically behind this agency are hidden, but I have several thoughts. One, the one of the details we do know is the agents who represent these players are going to be paid by the company, which is not the norm for those who don't know. It's usually the agent gets a percentage, four, five, six percent of the player's contract. That's sort of the situation here. And it overall seems this is going to be a much more player-focused agency, which is good because there's a need for A. B, I think this is going to be a trend and get used to it. And we've already seen it. Of players thinking, thinking more and more beyond football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. And becoming more business savvy. This won't be the first person to do it. Or it isn't the first person to do it. And it won't be the last. All right, let's get to this. Did skip over this accidentally. Two minutes on the clock for the Dallas Cowboys, who fired Scott Lenahan as their offensive coordinator. And then as of yesterday, Jerry Jones says they will stay in-house and Jason Garrett could have involvement in the offensive play calling. (laughs) Because they've done so well, right? They've done so well with Jason Garrett. That, oh my goodness, let's just bring him in as our offensive coordinator. We've had so much success. We've had so many playoff wins. We've just overachieved left and right. We got to bring in our head coach to call our offensive plays now. And I mean, plus, our head coach, he's such an offensive guy with an offensive background. How can we not do this? Said no one ever. Jeez, I mean, like, my goodness, you know their playoff history. I won't bore you with that again. And never mind to mention the fact that Jason Garrett has a defensive background. And listen, I like the Lenahan fire. I, I, In fact, I, I didn't talk about it at the time, but I was shocked. I was like, my goodness, the Cowboys are actually making changes. Is this the Dallas Cowboys team I know? And then you just find out days later that they're either going to go, likely, likely with their quarterback coach, Kellen, or Kellen Moore, that is, or like Jason Garrett, 
or a combination of the two? Like, how about a new voice? My goodness, you don't think these players are so sick of hearing a guy preach to them who hasn't won jack squats in his career? Like, if you're going to make change, cool. It's why I like the firing. Go out and hire somebody externally. Have you not seen the trend in the NFL of external guys coming in and making big changes? It is just another example of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, you think they're going down the right path? They fire an offensive coordinator, probably need to be fired. And then, boom, less than a week later. Uh, yeah, they're back banging their heads against the wall and the definition of insanity, trying to do the same thing over and over again. Now to wrap up here, let's put two minutes on the clock for the MLB Hall of Fame. I have two major thoughts here. There's many things you could go with this. I could spend a whole 15-minute podcast on this, but I want to hit on two major points here. The first one is about Mariano Rivera, Yankees closer, of course. He gets in unanimously, the first player to ever do that. And listen, this is my first point. One, this shows that the old voters who are starting to be worked out of the system had a broken system. Listen, Mariano Rivera absolutely deserves to get in unanimously. No doubt about it. But you're telling me Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., I could go on? Didn't deserve to be unanimous? They absolutely did. My second point here is this. (laughs) Roger Clemens went up to 59%, so did Barry Bonds. You need 75% to get in. Those two numbers are up from the previous year. This is my second point. Make up your mind. Clearly what's happening is the younger voters are starting to get in and they're starting to say, hey, these guys should be and the older voters don't agree. And listen, I think they should be in. But whatever your opinion is, my only thing is be consistent. And right now they're not. These numbers keep on going up. If you don't want them in, cool. Don't put them in. Just be consistent. So... Those are my thoughts with the MLB Hall of Fame voting. That is the podcast. Earlier today, the Sportsnick Show released, as always, on Sportsnick.com and the YouTube channel tomorrow. Sportsnick Show, podcast again. I'll catch you then.